So hello and welcome to this special Tapestry NFSF podcast um, with me, Jules Mickelbrot, and Suma Din. Um, and I'll leave Suma to introduce herself. Hi, Suma. Hi, Jules. Thanks very much for having me on this. It's a pleasure again to talk to you and um, to your viewers. Yep, so I work in adult education, in family learning, and I write research in the area of education, especially in terms of minoritized parent engagement and that rather broad area. Yeah, yeah. And Suma, you and I met because um, we've just recently done a tapestry education conference um, about reflecting on parental engagement and you were one of our speakers. And so we're just here today to carry on the conversation um, from your presentation there, really. Um, and um, to talk about um, one of the mums. Do you want to say a little bit about the sort of um, the research or the lead up to, to the three mums that you spoke, spoke to for the presentation? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, so I, a few years back, I researched um, mothers through focus groups and interviews um, across England across ethnicities and backgrounds about their um, experience with the school system, the state school system. So that was really useful in terms of seeing where they were coming from, what they think about education um, and, you know, different areas that they've been involved in as well as challenged by. So it's quite broad brush. And for the conference, we kind of carried that on and I interviewed three mothers um, focusing on the early years and looking at what their experience was. Again, keeping it broad so that they actually tell their stories rather than pigeonholing their answers. Um, and so they could speak about how they found um, the curriculum, how they found the big step of putting their children into the education system at nursery and then reception. Um, and also uh, how they support them if they support them uh, or what they even think about it, because that's where it starts, isn't it? How we actually perceive our child's education and well-being. So both things came up um, in a variety of ways from all three parents, because it's, it's always a unique experience that parents have. Yeah. Just before we, we kind of begin talking a bit more about Mum C, because we're here today specifically to talk a bit more about, about Mum C's narrative, um, I just wanted to say that in your presentation for the conference, you had a, a something that really was very powerful for me was an image of a, of a classroom door. And then um, I think the heading of the slide was was on the other side of the door. And I just thought that was a really good reflective point to begin our conversation here about um, just that, that, you know, that there, there's that space, the other side of the door. And, and how do you get into that space? How do you cross into that space? But also, how do you welcome people into that space? Um, yeah, I, I just found that that, that, that symbol of the doors, um, it spoke to me as well. Um, I think all the way through the education system, parents can often feel like something different going on there, something really unknown, um, and there might be a bit of mystique around it. Um, even if they want to know and they want to support, as we found with the moms that I talked to, there can be that disconnect because one's an institution with laws and rules and regulations and policies and paid professionals and the other is home which we all know is the first learning ground and it's the first place where hopefully children feel secure and their well-being and learning are all kind of in one so yeah the door was really about there can seem to be a barrier between the two but really 
both parents and educators want the same thing yeah. which is the best for the, the child that passes through the door because yes, <laughs> it's not the parents going through the door and it's not the teachers necessarily having the time to be on the other side of the door though I know many do um, engage in the way they can um, but yeah it's about I think any research that I've done and I think lots of people do it's about leaving the door open yeah. and getting parents and teachers to see what each other's doing because yeah. that's when the true partnership happens through an open door yeah absolutely and with mum C shall we begin by talking because mum C kind of spoke didn't she about that real desire to be involved with her child's learning her children's learning which was actually a common theme through the mums um Suma do you have a little bit you could read out about what mum C said about um, yeah sure I'll just have a, I just have to peer over this way a bit. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so she, I'll sort of summarize a little bit and read a bit. So she'd say when my um, son was in nursery, I'd ask him what he did and he wouldn't tell me much. And I wanted to do the things he was doing as I think it's part of what I should do. Um, and if he did tell me something like he did this game, I would look things up and do something like that. Um, and then she continues talking about how she actually used the school website as a place to find out. So quite a proactive mum there um, who, who wanted to find out about what the education system teaches at nursery level. Because this mum is of Somali ethnicity but came from Denmark to England, to part of London, when she was about 13 years old. So her early learning was all in a different part of Europe and, you know, a different register, multiple languages going on as well, um, which I know isn't the, the main focus because we're going to look at parent engagement. But I thought that was, you know, just a really interesting way she, she wanted to assert that she wanted to find out how things are done here yeah, and, yeah, and, and put the effort into looking things up. Yeah, and then, and then she goes on, I think, doesn't she, to say um, about how she just wasn't sure how to approach teachers to find out more about that or about how her child was doing, um, which I thought was really interesting, you know, in terms of just reflecting on um, how, what you said about keeping the door open and, 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 and kind of having that understanding between the, the, home, um, the home learning and the school learning and how can educators just try to make that themselves and that space a bit more approachable and, and, and easier to, to kind of get a handle on. Yeah, it's, it's something that I found all three mothers actually said um, that we don't know when it's right to ask. Do we wait for parents evening or do we, and, and that disjunct in their mind between education as in the curriculum yeah. and well-being as in is my child just happy because they're very young aren't they like yeah oh yeah nursery could be like the two three four yeah and then five at, uh, roughly around reception yeah. four and five so their well-being is probably their priority it is their priority um but it's like if i talk to a school does it have to be curriculum only and therefore should it be a parents e evening so yeah that came through with mom C as well about wanting to know about well-being and we realized well I realized as the interview went on why well-being mattered more mm -hmm. 
for this particular mum because she'd already experienced um, sort of the unfortunate experience of her child being picked on and being really unhappy in one particular school and then her moving him to another one where he thrived and did a lot better in himself yeah, yeah. so they are really intertwined um, yeah so and 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 there was a there was a bit around when you were talking about about the well-being and learning with Mumsy um, as well and she says something very powerful, Suma, doesn't she? Um, which, which feels like a very small thing, but actually felt very important about, about how you can feel um, when people really want to know how you are. Do you, could you read that little bit out, Suma? Have oh, you got that bit? Yeah. Yes, I have that at hand. And this is, again, um, coming back to how she changed from one reception class in one school to another. So as a backdrop to what I'm going about to read. Yeah. So she's talking about the new class now. This reception class is his second one. And here there's a bit more face-to-face -face interaction when the school opened back. The teachers are much better. Um, they're more interested and they'll ask me about the baby and things like that. She, she has a baby. Um, and you can feel it. That you can feel they want to talk to you. And sometimes we talk about, home, about the homework he gets on a Friday, things like that. But the old school last year, his reception class was different. And then she continued talking about the problems he had. Yeah. Um, and just the fact that she felt at that school, there wasn't really that genuine desire to talk, mm. even if it's just a little bit, but to really break the ice with her, yeah. with her as a parent. I won't generalize, but um, she, she felt, and you know, her own valid experience, that where the, there was a genuine desire to engage, just asking something as small as, you know, how's the baby? How are you? Yeah. Made her feel so much more at ease. So it wasn't anything really that big. Yeah. Um, and made her, I think, feel that she could actually have more of a, or she had a relationship with her child's teacher, yeah. as opposed to not having one in the previous school. Yeah. And I just thought that 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 that's that small phrase, you can feel it, you know, it really made me reflect on from a from an educator's point of view. And for my time as an educator, it's it's not just what you do, but it's how you do it. And, you, you know, you can ask those questions and, and actually not really be appearing as engaged and as interested as, as you could be. But it's about really being present for that mum in that moment when you're speaking to them, isn't it? You know, yeah. It's usually the simple solutions. Yes, exactly. It really is. Um, the other thing that, that really that I was really interested in that, that Mum C had said, um, going back a bit to um, that sort of understanding what her child is doing in school and therefore what can she do at home to help was was the bit about lockdown. Talking, we 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 talked, we've chatted before about the sort of unexpected things that come up, and um and the bit that Mum C said about lockdown and how that helped her to to really see what was going on um, in the classroom. Yeah, um, that, was, that was really interesting because I know it's been a huge challenge for the teachers and parents at every single level of the education system, yeah. you know, um, but there is a silver lining sometimes. <laughs> and that's what we found with uh, Mum C, where she was saying, um, if I summarise it, that during <laughs> the lockdown, she could actually watch, here we are, 
Um, during lockdown one, they were having classes for reception on literacy for half an hour, then a break, then story time, then a longer break, then half an hour numeracy. I found it helpful because I could see how they were teaching him. It was just the right amount and I got to understand how their method was. So, yeah. yeah, it really kind of opened up her window, I suppose, open, or opened the door. Opened the door, Ironically, yeah. yes, even though it was online and with all the sort of issues about children's concentration and interaction and all of that and engaging them, there, there is actually this opening that happens where the parents then in the classroom or in the setting and yeah. things like picking up the language, the nuance, the, the style of even one way of questioning. That's a huge win for a parent to feel a bit more empowered and feel that they can partner with the education provider rather than be this separate trying to do things differently. So, you know, that, that's just a win-win because the one who benefits is the little child. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it made me think as well about, you know, because, because Mumsy and, and the other mums actually were kind of, um, kind of talking about um, how much communication in terms of their child's learning and, and what their child was doing they were getting from the school. And I just wondered, Sumu, is it, is it partly about the fact that there, there wasn't or isn't very much communication and or is it partly to do with how that communication is kind of sent out there? You know, what, what platform, what methods are used? Is it one or the other or a bit of both? I think it's got really blurred with the pandemic, mm. home learning and then going in. So the mothers I spoke to did differentiate between before, before the pandemic when life was normal and if we look at it from that perspective first, um, I think the platform really does matter because we had a fair amount of discussion about too many emails and not understanding where the important bit of information is or having an online journal, which can be a great resource, depending, that was interesting from mum A, depending on how it's used. So in the nursery, where she didn't realise when it was being, information was being uploaded, she might have logged in once in three months and found really old information and pictures. The same online journal was very helpful in reception because the teachers were saying, check it this week for this, check it this week for this, check. You know, so, yes, it, it's yeah. a really hard one to answer as well because it's, I think, again, it, we keep coming back to that word partnership. It's about how we're using the platforms we've got. Having said that, if I go to the other side of whether it's pandemic or not, um, coming back to Mom C, it's that face-to-face -face yeah. interaction. Yeah. It just seems to be nothing as valuable as the that full human experience where you actually, even if it's for two minutes, making contact with your child's educator who they've been with sometimes all day because like real life, some nursery sessions are not just the afternoon or the morning with parents who are working. It's a very long day um, that the children are there and that two minutes or a minute of face to face is 
probably the most consistent feedback I got from all three moms <laughs> that that's where they feel the confidence and they actually feel that they can ask something or they, you know, they feel that they've understood a bit more about their child and the progress. Yeah. yeah. And Mumsy kind of her narrative sort of ended on um, her talking about the importance of communication. Yes. Didn't it? Yeah. Um, Suma, are you able to read out that last bit that, that Mum C yes, said? Um, um, and it was interesting because our conversation moved on to mothers in her community. As So now we're talking about Somali community. And she was um, saying in relation to herself, because she's educated, she has further education, etc. Um, she said it's difficult when mothers don't have that level of language or their lack familiarity or their newer migrants and then she was discussing so to give it the context before I read it out so she said um the main thing for me and other mums especially the newer ones to this country is communication if there's a way to talk to mums about their children's learning that will make um all the difference so many mums from my community don't really understand what their children are doing all day but when the teacher shares it helps a lot um, when my son was going to reception they talked a lot, a lot about big school and so did I and he was fine settling down in the fir- after the first two weeks um, sort of moving up the reception is what she's talking about so yeah sharing <laughs> sharing and and we talked yeah and we've talked before Suma haven't we about um uh that kind of concept of these that they don't have to be really big things no. that um schools and educators and teachers and staff can do to um support parental engagement mm. um and that bit that mum C says there but when the teachers share it helps a lot as you say you know it, it just sharing is yeah is can be enough you know in this particular situation yeah definitely and I was going to ask you Suma as well whether there were um other things that um don't need to be big things that schools can just think about how what what are they doing and how can they do things to um help minority mums become and feel part of of the community in one way I've seen some really good examples, um, been fortunate to see them in action where they've actually used some mums' skills and interests. Um, By mums, we're talking about the main carer as well. Sometimes it's a grandmother or or it's um, an uncle or father, Mm -hmm. but the main parent who's doing the engaging on coming, um, they've often got them involved sometimes just from a a conversation again it starts small where they've been able to find out okay they they've got this language skill or they've got this hobby or this interest and got them into just maybe run once an after school thing i've heard of gardening i've heard of sewing i've heard of a language club different things like that and then that's grown into bringing other parents on board um so then that would if we narrow that down that's parent to parent communication so facilitating it not necessarily having to do much as a teacher apart from maybe just facilitating the idea Um, because we know that 
teaching staff have more than enough on their plate as it is um, and it is, can be a real challenge to find time to do anything else beyond the amount that they're already doing but yeah parent to parent groups clubs PTAs that that kind of thing exists in theory but it's getting those who are not that engaged to come on board and that can often just be that one step of would you help with this club or would you like to come in and do this and just asking one-to-one often what I found is that there are a lot of mothers willing and very keen but they don't have the courage or the confidence or the know-how to put themselves forward and it's that one ask Mm. um, not always by teaching staff it could be ancillary staff you know sometimes supervisors just somebody who makes that contact and says how about this have you thought about this and they'll be often very willing then because they were asked yeah i don't know what the psychology of that one is <laughs> but, it's but so interesting. experience 10 20 years of hearing that you, yeah. you start to realize it. there's something definitely yeah. yeah um encouraging about being asked rather than having to put yourself forward yeah it's so basically it starts with something as simple as an invitation as inviting which is such a simple thing, isn't it? it that's, that's not, you know, from, a, from, a, from a, a teacher and an educator's point of view, that is not an overwhelming thing. You don't have to sort out a massive program or something. You, don't, you know, it's literally just, as you said, it's that, it's that one-to-one communication and as simple as an invitation. And I think we've come round full circle. So having really grown up kids as I have, I had them in school when it was pre mobile phones or we had just what they call the brick at that point um pre whatsapp for sure pre text pre all of that um and then everything was face to face and i think just my personal observation that with so many platforms and so much information that everyone's receiving from this group, from that WhatsApp group, from, you know, whether it's family, work, the neighbourhood, even roads have got WhatsApp groups now, I'm hearing. <laughs> yes. They have, they? Yeah, so all these links, do this survey, can you do that, can you fill this thing, can you join this petition, can you, you know, there's so much information overload yeah. that when it would, you know, like strip all that away and come back to like just basic school engagement, I think now it's more powerful to just have that face-to-face ask, yeah. 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 ask, suggest, invite, rather than the message and the emails. And that. Yeah, yeah. And I just, we've kind of come to the, to the end of Mum C's narrative, and I just wondered if we could just kind of end this conversation talking about, um, you mentioned just uh, just then about um, uh, how it can also be, you know, the, the parent-to-parent contact is really important. Yeah. And, we were talking just before we started recording about that playground space and um and uh Sumer, i'm going to mention your book which is um, muslim mothers and their children's schooling and um in there you have a chapter on relationships um and you have a phrase in there and there's almost a subtitle about playground pariah mm. and um i just wanted to talk a little bit before we end about um that kind of that kind of exhausting effort of fitting into that playground space and um the the power of media messages 
that can make that so difficult and how that can feed into then fitting into the school community, the school space, the learning space um, or not. Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's, it's a big subject, isn't it, Jules? And um, a complicated one at that. But if we try to stick to the simplicity of early years and putting our children in every day and picking them up again every day, I think it's just having that awareness as educators um, that there is this very tangible domino effect that goes on when there are atrocities happen around the world um, and they're reported and that red breaking news comes up on the TV screen uh, that it has a direct impact on how people engage or not as parents one-to-one and it can create divides um, it can exacerbate little divides and make them bigger but I think again it's just addressing it in whichever way every school's its own and every nursery setting is its own world isn't it with its own mm-hmm. dynamics its own geography location um demographics so it's using what we've got to to work with which is going to be different and look different for every setting to actually address that um, in some way where you can't dictate who talks to who but just having that awareness that sometimes you've got that really proactive parent who drops their children and I've often suggested how about like a low-key ambassador thing where they are actually quite purposefully active in engaging other parents just in that playground chat so it's nothing that staff need to do but just have that parent who is confident and who does like talking to other parents to engage with maybe one or two parents a term or something of that sort Um, and that can then where we started this part about kind of the negative domino effect it can actually have a very positive ripple effect because when one or two parents start talking to somebody that they may not have before they that invitation we were talking about a few minutes ago to come into the school to do something or the nursery class to support something then becomes that bit more um, doable um, a bit more of a reality so yes back to human interaction in whichever way a setting can manage it but to just be aware that these things do play out and sometimes it's hard to say um I don't know what to say about that event that's just happened yeah yeah and who do you say that to but everybody's thinking things yeah and even us just having this discussion I think is useful just that is enough to raise the awareness that these things come into the playground they're real yeah even if there's a silence um around it yeah there was a um in your book Suma there's a mum who um can I read can I read a a quote out from a mum I think it was a mum called Bushra and she says um and everything that is in the news comes out in the playground yeah and it's often in silences that's the interesting thing too right yeah yes and and the not talking yeah to each other they don't know what to say um yeah. and they don't know they don't want to offend by asking and people don't want to explain because i think that mm. implicates their connection to events that 
they don't want to be connected to. So it is so complicated. And I wouldn't for a minute think that the playground's a place where this can be solved. It's way too big. But I think awareness and our discussing it is part of a solution rather than perpetuating a problem. Yes, and I think you're right. And I think that's that's so true because I think um, in in schools you know it's really it's really important because it is part of the school the playground space is part of the school it's part of the school physically um and and emotionally and all of the other ways socially and so for again talking about the door keeping that door open so that so that staff know that that those feelings can be happening in the playground and that those and that those you know that, that that talking or not talking can be happening in the playground mm-hmm. is really important that they are aware of that as you say um and that it's just not the other side of the door but it's actually very much part of of the space that everybody as you say is, is wanting the best for the children mm-hmm. because that's what that space is ultimately there for yeah i think suma i think that's probably a really lovely place a really good place to end um Thank you so much for having a, a, another conversation with me today. It's been no, thank you very much. It's, it's been great to yeah, flesh out a few more points and uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. And thank you again, Jules. Yeah, you're welcome. It was lovely. It was really lovely to reflect a bit more on Mum C there. It was really good to hear her voice. So thank you, Suma.